Today we open scripture, 1 Peter chapter number 1, and we see that these were a chosen people. And Peter is reminding them, you are chosen. And just imagine if your life is on the line and you are running because of your faith. You can ultimately question that. Am I really chosen? God, what is your plan? What's going on here? They never doubted. They never wavered. And Peter wrote to encourage these people in their faith. Not only did he do that, God preserved his word so that in today's time, you and I could read it and be encouraged in our faith. Be strengthened where we are weak. And my prayer today in this, in this sermon titled, Having Hope in Trials, that you will realize that you are not the only one going through something. It's so easy. Now listen, I'm not trying to point fingers. It's so easy. I've had probably the hardest week of my life. It's so easy to get in our own little bubble and say, poor, poor, pitiful me. But as I look out, there are hundreds of you that are having tough times and bad weeks and trials and illness. And we go through that with our faith in Jesus Christ. Today is important to me because after this long week, I get to sit down with like-minded people, people of faith that know Jesus will lead us through it. He will get us through that. But today, maybe you are here. Maybe you're watching live stream today and you're in a tough situation. Maybe you're in a place where you don't realize where your hope can come from. Today, I want you to know this message is for you. With that said, 1 Peter chapter number 1. Look at verse number 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, a living hope. That's the song you just sang. You remember that, right? Underline those words, lively hope. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Having hope in trial, point number one I want to give you today is this. Hope is born in Christ. Hope is rooted in Christ. Today, you may have a hope in something else. This morning I got up and I got behind the wheel of my car. And, and I've got a car uh, that right now, I don't hope that gets me here. I know that it's going to make me. At one time in my life, I had a car that I had to hope and pray got me places, okay? Maybe you've had that kind of car. You got behind the wheel. You didn't know, hey, if I'm going to make it or not, if I'm going to get there or not, if it's going to be dependable or not, God, I don't know. Praise be to God, I've got a car that gets me place to place. But some of us are driving along in life. And behind that wheel, you don't have a hope in Christ that will get you through the things that you are going through and that you will experience. You may be sitting in this pew or in this sanctuary or watching live stream today and say, Hey, Pastor, I'm good. I know you're good. There are going to be seasons. We're going to see that in a second. There are going to be seasons in which you will be fine. But there will be seasons of trial. And we are not to steer away from those seasons. We are to face them head on. Peter writes this letter, just as James, if you want to read the opening of the book of James, don't do it right now, please, I'm preaching, okay? But sometime today, go back and read the first chapter of James. But both of them write letters to scattered people, and their letters open the exact same way. James says this, count it all joy when those temptations come. When trials come your way. 
And here's what Peter's message is. As those trials come, you have to have a living hope. You've got to place your hope in something that is alive. Do the words joy and hope describe you when you're going through something? When you're having a rough day or a trial that's, that you're getting through? Does that describe you? Most of us, it probably doesn't. And yet, for the Christian, it should. The word hope, it doesn't mean wish. It's not a desire for good to always happen. But what it is, or what it is not, is not across your fingers. Some of you say, I, I hope I get this job, or I hope I get a A on my test, or I, I hope I get to heaven. Friends, if you are living a faith that you hope to get to heaven with your fingers crossed, your hope is in the wrong thing. That's not hope. Hope is this, friends, and I want you to write it down if you are taking notes. Hope is a confident expectation. It's not just expecting something. It's knowing it will happen because your hope is in Jesus Christ. And so today... I'm talking to a bunch of Christians that are going through different things and different trials and different situations in life. But by the mercy of God and by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, He gives each one of us a living hope, a lively hope that rests solely in Him. Today, if you are hanging your hat, if you are hanging your faith, if you are crossing your fingers on something other than Jesus Christ, you are hanging it in the wrong place. Peter says in verse number 3, look at that again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again. That begotten us again can be translated born again. There's one way that you get this hope. It's not showing up at church and looking good on a Sunday morning. That doesn't get you hope. It's not... Uh, opening a Bible and flipping through and saying, oh, this is a good thing. That's not hope. Hope is when you are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you give your life to Jesus, you have a living hope. Christians today, many of us, and I'm guilty, even at times this week as I hung my head, people didn't see the living hope. They saw a discouraged man. And from the outside, they couldn't see Jesus. They saw me having trouble going through a trial. And my goal, and I think Peter's goal, is that the people of God, when people look at us, they always see Jesus. That's my goal for myself, is when somebody looks at Jeffrey, they see Jesus no matter what he's going through. Now picture this. Your life is on the line. Your life is on the line because of your faith. Will you still be faithful? Will you still have the hope in Jesus Christ that will carry you through whatever may come? I believe in this country the day is coming that Christians will have to stand up for their faith. And we are going to be weeded out to those who are pretending and those who are faithful. These these sojourners, these that are scattered, their lives are on the line. It's hanging in the balance. They are running for their life. And they choose to have faith 
in Jesus Christ still. My question is this. Today, if you were to evaluate your hope and your life and your faith, is it a living hope? It is, is it alive? Point number one. It's born in Christ. Point number two, look at verse number four. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Point number two, hope promises an inheritance. Hope promises an inheritance. When I use that word inheritance, when do you start to think of an inheritance? When someone dies. But here's the promise of God and His Word and the faith is this, that you get your inheritance when you say yes to Jesus Christ. You don't have to wait for it one day. And that's, that's some of our problem as Christians. We wait. Hey, hey we'll, get our, we'll get heaven one day. No, you've got heaven today. And we need to live like that. We need to offer that hope. To somebody else, an inheritance for the child of God is the promise of heaven. And Peter does a wonderful job explaining it and speaking to it in verse number 4. He describes it as incorruptible, meaning this, it does not die or decay. He describes it as undefiled. It cannot be corrupted or spoiled or damaged in any way. He says it doesn't fade away. I was just telling Roxanne the first year of ministry, my hairline's gone back a couple inches. Hairlines fade, flowers fade. But an inheritance from God does not fade away. I may, I'm, this may be a news break to you, but everything this world offers you is fading away. Everything in the world will fade away one day. The only thing that you will stand on is your faith in Jesus Christ. The inheritance doesn't fade. And the fourth thing that he describes in verse number four is it is reserved in heaven. You ever had a reservation canceled on you? Anybody ever showed up to a restaurant and you reserved a table and it wasn't there? Y'all need to tell me what that does to Christian people. It does the same thing it does to every kind of person. It makes you mad. I know that. Because I've had the same thing happen to me. There's times that reservation wasn't guarded. But here's the promise. The promise of your inheritance. The promise of heaven is that reservation is guarded. By Jesus Christ. He's going to take care of it. That you have a spot. So here's the mindset friends. It's not a life that we live. That we, we hope to get to heaven one day. Don't live that kind of lifestyle. Don't live that kind of faith. Don't live on that. Don't bank on that. Bank on this. Because Jesus died for your sin. And he took your place on that cross. And he laid in the ground. And he rose on the third day. You can have a living hope. And you have an inheritance in heaven one day. That is reserved for you. I got three amens of that. Okay. Alright. I'm going to have to preach a little bit harder now. Okay. That makes me excited. That no matter what I go through in this life. 
no matter what happens, no matter what I face, that God is with me and that God has an inheritance for me. And for the people that their faith was on the line and they were being martyred and murdered, he says this, you have an inheritance, one day you will get it. That is my promise to you. And if it was their promise to them, it's the promise to us today that we will have an inheritance. The third point, look at verse number 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Point number three today is hope offers protection. So not only does it offer an inheritance, it offers protection. Now I want you to know verse number five, as I talk to you about this verse, this is only for those that are believers today, okay? If you are here and you're not a believer, you need to listen to this. But this promise is not for you. It is for those who are in the faith. Verse number 5 says, Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. The same God that is guarding or reserving your place, your inheritance in heaven, is the same God that will keep you protected while you're on this earth. Can I, can I say that one more time? The same God that is reserving your place in heaven is the same hand that is protecting you while you're on this earth. There is nothing that will happen to you that God will not allow. God's got his hand on you. God's got that hand of protection. And there's sometimes where we want to play God with our own lives. And I'm going to get serious real here. Very quickly. If you step out of the will of God and try to take control of your own life, you can do that. There are lives that have been ended way too soon. Because people have chosen to do this. But here's what I want you to know. Maybe you're battling a tough situation. Maybe you've got a bad diagnosis. Maybe you're like my mom that's sitting and trying to get back on her feet again. God has you protected. There are so many places my mind wants to go in this verse number 5. I see wonderful words like the power of God, like faith, and like salvation. But as I sat at my desk and I wrote this message out, verse number five, the first three words, who are kept. Man, what a great promise to the people of God that no matter where, what happens or no matter what you are going through, God knows where you are and God will protect you by his power. Let's read that verse one more time. Look at verse number five again. Who are kept by the power of God. Now that's where God keeps you. Look at the next two words. Through faith. So where is your faith? You've got to put your faith in the one that protects you and that keeps you. There are many of us. Trust your doctors. Listen to me. Trust your doctors. Trust your nurses. Go get your physicals. Go get checked. Trust those things. But you must have faith in Jesus Christ and what you are dealing with. There are many of you today that are facing things. That you're wondering, how in the world am I going to get through this? 
or what is going to happen as God reveals uh, moment by moment and, and picture by picture. Just have faith that he has it under his care and under his control. Nothing is going to happen outside of his hand and his sovereignty. I want you to see the providence of God in this verse. That you are a protected people by the power of God through applying your faith in Jesus Christ. There are times where sometimes the trials weaken our faith. It seems that way. Let the trials Strengthen your faith. Strengthen your faith. So many people over the past week have reached out in an encouraging way. And there are many this morning that said, hey, I didn't want to text you because you're a busy man. Can I tell you something, church? I'm a busy man, but it ain't going to get any easier, okay? If you want to call me, call me. If you want to text me, text me. I feel like I need to make this for the church, okay? But here's the idea. When the church reaches out and takes care of its own, the, peop- the faith of the people are strengthened. Has anybody ever told you they were praying for you? How did that make you feel? Did that encourage you along the way? I hope so. Because there are times that I've thrown, wanted to throw in the towel and, and give up and lay down and say it's over. And yet there came that message, I'm praying for you. It will lift up your spirits. Friends, today I want you to see that hope offers protection. Not only over the inheritance, but over your life while you are here. Point number four. Look at verses six through nine. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, Ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than that of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, you love, and whom thou, though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. I was able to use this scripture in a funeral here a month and a half or two back. It was very encouraging to me. But the the fourth point today is this. And I I just used three words and I will describe them. Faith, trials, and glory. Faith, trials, and glory. Peter begins in verse number 6 on the idea of trials and temptations. And the hope that we have in Jesus Christ is what leads through those. But you see, the beginning of verse number 6, there's a word that says, wherein. Or maybe it's translated in in other uh, versions, in this. Here's what Peter is trying to say. In this living hope, in this hope that you have in Jesus Christ, here's what happens. You need to rejoice in that hope. And even when those trials come, that he will lead you through those. But here's what he says. Look at verse number 6 again. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. 
Verse number six, our heaviness through manifold temptations. Anybody ever feel that heaviness when you're going through something? Anybody in a trial or, or going through a situation and you feel that grief of being in it? You are hurting, you are down, you feel the heaviness and you are experiencing that. Do you understand that? Peter says, I understand it. And I acknowledge that there's going to be heaviness there. There's going to be grief as you go through certain trials and temptations. But here's what it means to us. As you and I go through those trials, it is not a cakewalk. There are sometimes we have to put on a smile. And there are sometimes we do that. And it hurts deep down inside. It's not going to be a cakewalk when you give your life to Jesus. Because that's when faith will be tried. And Peter goes on to speak about that in verse number 7. The trial of your faith. The trial of your faith. All right, wake up call. Here's your Sunday morning wake up call, okay? It's coming. And I believe, as Pastor Clyde said last week, you're either going through it, you've been through it, or you're getting ready to go through it. See, I listened to last week's sermon. I want you to know that, okay? From a hospital room, I was with you last week. But that is the truth. The trials are coming, but here's what I want you to do. Go back to verse number 6 now. There are three words there. If need be. Do you see those three words? If need be. Who's in charge of the trial? Who's in charge of the seasons that you are experiencing? God is. And as God looks at your life, if, he, if you need your faith strengthened, if need be, you're going to have a season in which you experience those things. That may not delight your ears, but here's the message. The trials are coming. It's not going to get easier. He's writing to people that are running for their life, and he says, it's not going to get easier. The trials will remain. Go back to verse number 7. Trials are a, a tool that God uses to get a lot of things. Most of all, to get glory in which He deserves. In verse number 7, I want you to see. He says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes. Here's what Peter says. Peter says your faith is valuable it's more valuable than gold. Now you look at me and you say, Pastor, you're just saying that because you're the preacher. No, I'm saying that because it's the truth. The gold will only buy, buy you so much. Gold will only go so far. Faith will take you all the way. Here's what I want you to know, friends. Your faith is valuable. The hope that you place in Jesus Christ is valuable. As gold is put into the fire, why do they put gold into the fire? To refine it and get out all the impurities. You go through the trials that your faith may be made pure in Jesus Christ. Just as gold goes through the trial, you must go through the trial. But your faith is more valuable. The second thing you see in verse number 7 is that your faith needs to be genuine. Here's what it says, though it be tried with fire, might be found into praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Faith needs to be genuine. As it is tried by fire, it is purified. 
It is valuable and it comes out more. There is a, a little quote that I wrote down in one of my studies. I, I think it was uh, R.C. Sproul that said this. The eastern goldsmith kept gold in the fire until he could see his face. Now picture that. If you are in a trial and your faith is, is under test, you're there until the master can see a reflection of himself. When he sees himself, that's when you're pulled out. That's when you're relieved. The trials are meant to make you stronger, to make you more like Jesus. And the third thing is that it should produce praise and honor and glory. And here's what I want you to know. It should produce them now, not when the trial is over or not when you're dead. It's not the preacher's job to praise you when you're dead. Okay? Amen? It's not the preacher's job to praise God over you when you're dead. Our lives should be producing praise and honor and glory on a daily basis. And that's where we come at, in, in a point of, of invitation. If you look at your life and you look at your faith and God's not getting anything out of it. As you are in the midst of a trial and God's not getting praise and honor and glory, something's wrong. The end of verse number 7. It says it should receive praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. But if you go back a little bit, it says that that might be found. Do you see that? It might be found unto praise and honor and glory. My prayer today is if somebody saw you at the worst day and my worst day of our lives, that they would still see and hear and praise Jesus our Christ. When somebody asks you how you're doing and you tell them that you're sick and that you're hurting and what the doctors have said, that at the end of that you can say, Jesus is still good. Just last night, a couple of different scenarios, people texted me things that they were dealing with. And I was sitting uh, upstairs in my office about 9 o'clock just reviewing and going through and putting this stuff in my brain. I've got to do that multiple times to get it to stay there, you know. But two text messages came in, one with a death and one with a hospitalization. And in a real quick moment, I snapped a picture to one of them. And, and verse number five, who are kept by the power of God. No matter what happens, God has this. Because you belong to him. But also, I encourage them that through the trial, that God needs to get the praise. Point number four today, faith and trials and glory is this. The hope that we have in Jesus Christ builds our faith. That when we face the trials, that God gets glory all the time. Last point today that I want to make is in verses 10 through 12. Of what salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what? Or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify, when it was testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. 
unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them which have, that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desired to look into. Now I'm going to translate that for you, okay? Point number five is this, that we must hope in God's plan. We must hope in God's plan. Peter talks about two different groups of people. He talks about the prophets and he talks about the angels in these three verses. And here's what Peter says. From the very beginning, God has had a plan. Anybody agree with that? Two weeks ago, you heard about that. God has a plan. From the very beginning, God had a plan. And in the Old Testament time period, God used prophets to speak of the salvation to come. If you go through your Bible, the book of Isaiah, the book of Micah, you see those proclamations that a Savior would come. And in the book of Genesis chapter 3, you see a plan of God unfolding from the very beginning. In Psalm 22, you hear David using the words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus used those same words. There has been a plan about a Savior coming, and the prophets foretold that plan. They would not see it themselves, but God used them to tell of a Savior to come. And now the New Testament church is on the scene. And they're running from their, for their lives because of this Jesus. Their lives hang in the balance. And what, what uh, Peter is saying is this. We've searched the scriptures. We knew it would come. The prophets have foretold all of this. And Peter says this. We have read it. We have studied it. We know it. And the gospel has been proclaimed. Here's what you need to know. The angels desire to know what you know. Look at the end of verse number 12 again. Which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Which things the angels desire to look into. What in the world? Here's what Peter's saying. You have the Old Testament which the prophets told you Jesus would come. You have me writing to you now saying Jesus is the Savior. And the angels desire a relationship with Jesus Christ that we have. They would love to have the opportunity that we as humans have. We have a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. Here's what I want you to know. Humans are not angels, and angels are not humans. And humans will never be an angel. So listen to me, church. When someone passes away, give your prayers, give your condolences. Please do that. But please don't put, they gain their angel wings. That is not true. Because God's prized creation is not an angel. It's a human being that he could have a relationship with and that would accept him as Savior and that would love him and that would live for him. We have a Savior. And church, Christians, your blessed hope, your living hope does not need to be one day in the future. It needs to be in the Savior that is Jesus Christ. Along the journey, 
I desire joy. And I get my joy from a couple of places. I get my joy from camping. Anybody like to camp in here? Okay. I get my joy from family. And those are great things. But I get the greatest joy of my life from my Savior, Jesus Christ. And serving Him with the very best that I have. The very best that I have is not somebody else. The very best that I have is probably not as good as somebody else. The very best that I have is what I have. And that's what I want to serve Him with. And so the day when you hear the words joy, unspeakable, and full of glory, right now where you are in your trial, that may be hard to understand. That may be hard. This week it was hard for me and for others to see that joy because I was hurting. I thought I watched my mama die. I was scared. The joy unspeakable and full of glory. That doesn't mean we just bounce around and that doesn't mean we're always happy. But what that means is when you have hope in Jesus Christ, you confidently know That he is in charge. You confidently know that his word is true. And that he is in control of everything. There's a song. And the opening line is. All my hope is in Jesus. That should be the song of the Christian's heart. It isn't a a hope so. Or I I, I cross my fingers and, and wish it would be true. The joy unspeakable comes simply from Jesus. Today if you're here. And you're depending on something else for your joy. I encourage you to look to Jesus. I'm not going to preach to you. And tell you what what you're doing wrong. I'm just telling you. I think I hit a home run. When I laid all that stuff down. And I finally looked to Jesus. I got it right. And when you do that. Friends no matter what comes your way. You can always look and live for Jesus. But maybe you're here today, and you showed up on a Sunday not knowing really what the message was about. But maybe you walked in this sanctuary today, or you tuned in on a live stream today, and you're dealing with hopelessness. Maybe a situation, maybe something out of your control, maybe something that you desire to control more of. Here's what I want to encourage you. Give it to Jesus. And if you're not a believer in this place... The greatest hope that you can leave here today with is having Jesus as your Savior. The greatest thing you can do is give your heart and your life and your soul. Place it in His hands and let Him lead your life. Today, if you entered this room as a sinner, somebody separated from God, the greatest joy you can have in your life is to trust Him with your heart. With all of your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will direct your path. Friends, today, is there somebody that needs to place their hope in Jesus? Somebody that needs to come and kneel at an altar and pray. God, give me the strength. Give me the assurance. Give me that confident expectation that I can place it all in your hands knowing that you will take care of it. Today, if that's what you need, I invite you to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, today, in this moment of invitation, Lord, 
I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move in a powerful way. It's not me to dictate what you do, God. Lord, as every ear hears this invitation now, God, I pray, Lord, that you will bring the ones to you that need you. Or maybe that's a physical walk down the aisle, a physical kneeling at an altar, a physical praying with a pastor. God, maybe there's somebody that needs to walk down this aisle and receive a Savior today, knowing that they are a sinner. And apart from what Jesus has to offer, their life is hopeless. God, I pray, Lord, that you will draw that one to you today in only the way that you can. God, I don't, I'm not here to do your business and twist arms. But at this moment of open altar, of open invitation, God, I pray, Lord, that you would move upon the hearts of your people. Lord, strengthen our faith. Strengthen our walk in you. Strengthen our words. Strengthen our testimony as Christians in our community. God, make us more like you. That is our prayer. Lord, if there's somebody going through a trial today that simply needs a brother or a sister to pray with them, God, I pray that you bring them here. God, this time is yours. Lord, we give it to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.